0: Today, amen. amen. This feels good today. It feels like the Holy Spirit is just here. And I thank Him so much for showing up. Thank you, Michael. Uh, we are in the second week of uh, looking at the Old Testament book of Ruth. Uh, it's an incredibly beautiful story, and it's a story that you can actually read in just one sitting. And it begins with a man named Elimelech and his wife, Naomi. Right and There's a famine in, in Judah, so Elimelech decides to take his wife and their two sons and, and move to the pagan land of Moab. So if you missed the sermon from last week, you can find a link for it on our website, gatheringatl.com. But long story short, Elimelech and the two sons, they eventually die in Moab, and Naomi is left with her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and, and Ruth. And Naomi decides to then head back to Judah because she heard that the famine was over there. And so one of her daughters-in-law, Ruth, decides to go with her to leave her land of Moab and go to Judah. That's all of chapter 1. And as we read it last week, we were thinking of those times in our lives when we hated where we were more than we loved Jesus, right? Right? Those times in our lives were where we hated where we were more than we loved Jesus. Have you been there? Right? Maybe you're there today, right? Maybe you're there where you just got tired of the suffering, right? You got tired of the frustration. You got tired of the hurt. You got tired of the unknown. You got tired of just waiting for God. And so you packed up all your stuff, and you took control back. You left where God wanted you, and you packed up and you moved to Moab, right? Now, that pagan place away from the blessings of God. And maybe like Naomi, all you found there was bitterness. You may remember the name Naomi means pleasant, right? But when she left Moab, she announced that her name now was Mara, which meant bitter. Has anyone gone from pleasant to bitter because of your bad decisions? Or because of the bad decisions of others? Have you ever gone from pleasant to bitter? That's what can happen when we let our hate. For where we are become more important than our love for Jesus, right? When we hate where we are more than we love Jesus, we tend to make some pretty dumb decisions. Can I get an amen? Amen. Right? They're often (laughs) selfish decisions. Just anything to get out of that hated place. Right? Moab may not be what God wants for your life, but all that matters to you is getting out of where you are. If you know you're in Moab today, I want you to know that Jesus still loves you. If you know you're in Moab today, I want you to know that Jesus can save you. If you know you're in Moab today, I want you to know that Jesus can bring you home. Jesus can restore you. It doesn't matter how long you have lived in Moab, it doesn't matter what you did in Moab, Jesus can bring you home. You just have to call out to him. You just have to surrender to him. So if you know you're in Moab today, if you know you're someplace where the Lord does not want you, I want to talk to you after worship. Not to condemn you in that, but to say, I want to walk beside you out of Moab with you. I want to help you out of Moab. So if you know you're in Moab today and you want to come home, come talk to me. Again, if you missed that sermon from last week, you can check it out online watch it this week. But today we're going to move forward to chapter 2. So if you haven't done so already, open your Bible. Or grab your phone and go to the book of Ruth. Again, it's in the Old Testament. I know you have your phone, so literally grab your phone uh, or your Bible, and let's go to the book of Ruth. I want you to know how to find the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the first part of the Bible, if you don't know that. But literally grab your phone. Some of you are just staring at me. I'm not going to look at you. But I won't embarrass you, but I know who you are. All right, so, Ruth. Now, before we jump in, I want to remind you that Naomi and Ruth, at this point, are widows. And that is not a great place to be in those times and in that culture, right? It's a place where a feeling of of despair would be expected, right? Naomi and Ruth, they had nothing. But again, look at the subtitle of the series, The Plans of Man and the Provision of God. Even when we get ourselves into bad situations, God is still providing for us. At the very least, he provides us a way out of that bad situation. And so Naomi and Ruth are in a bad situation. But God is going to keep showing up to provide for them. I also want us to see how we invite more of God's providence, more of God's provision in our lives. How can we live in the favor of God? How can we, church, live in the favor of God? When we talk about the favor of God, we're talking about over-generous preferential treatment. Now hear me, I'm not talking about God loving you more, right? Because there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less, right? He loves you, period. However, we can experience more favor from God. But it depends on how we live and who we live for. How we live and who we live live for opens the floodgates of blessings in our lives. So before we get to Ruth, I want to read from Malachi 3.10. One of my favorite verses. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Church, that is the favor of God. Who wants some of that in their life today? Who wants some of that in in their lives this week and this year? If that sounds good, then we really have to want it. And if we truly want it, then we have to check how we are living and, and, and who we are living for. That's what I want to look at today as we read through the second chapter of Ruth. So look at it with me. Naomi and Ruth are widows when they head to Judah. And starting in verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. But Ruth the Moabite said, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor, in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. I'll stop there. At the beginning of chapter 2, we're introduced to this new character, a man named Boaz. He's a member of the Elimelech clan. He's family, right? We're going to talk more about that in a moment and why that's important. But Boaz is a major uh, character in the story now. So we're going to get to him in a moment. But but Ruth and Naomi, they're in Judah with nothing, right? It's a desperate situation. And so Ruth offers to to go gather any leftover grain that she can find. But notice how she said it. She said, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. I want us to see something very important here. There are two parties represented in that statement. There's Ruth, and then there's someone else. Who's the someone else? It's the one in whom whom she will find favor, right? So don't rush by this church. First, right, there is the need. There is the need. What is the need? The need is food. One of our basic needs in life is food. We we all need food. We, We all know we need, I mean, I hope you know you need food. We all know we need food in life. We need food to survive, right? Do you want to know what we don't need in life? A big, juicy steak. We don't need a big, juicy steak. Now, I say that knowing that I'm going to head home this afternoon and cook my wife a big, juicy steak. But it's not a need. I mean, I need to do it to show her I love her. But it's still not – okay, maybe it isn't. Okay, let's forget about steak. Um, <laughs> move on from steak. We need food, but we don't need the best of the best. Right? We just need nourishment. See, Ruth went out to find food, but she didn't head to the fanciest restaurant in town hoping to get a filet mignon that the chef was going to throw out because she cooked it 30 seconds too long. I mean, that sounds great, that's not where she went. She headed out into the fields to find leftover grain. Grain that no one else wanted. Grain that was left behind. Just grain. The basics. That is all Ruth cared about in that moment. The basics. The plain. The nothing special. So she had a need. And she understood her need. Hear what I'm saying there? She understood her need. See, she was not chasing a want. She was going after a need. Church, if some of you will change what you're chasing after in your life, your life will radically change for the better. You're so busy chasing after a want that you are missing out on what you actually need. Chasing after what you wanted is how you ended up in Moab in the first place. See, Ruth wasn't focused on a want. Ruth was focused on a need. And so she went to have her needs met. And she knew where to go. I mean, where is leftover grain found? It's in a field. And so she went where she knew she could find what she needed. See, some of you are looking for grain in the middle of a lake. And folks, that's not going to work out for you. You're looking in all the wrong places. right? You're looking for love, but you're looking for it in one-night stands, You're looking for comfort, but you're looking for it in a bottle. You're looking for meaning, but you're looking for it in your wealth. If you aren't looking where the need can be answered, it won't ever be answered. Ruth knew her need, and she knew where she could go to have her needs met. She needed grain, and so she went where the grain was. But notice that the leftover grain wasn't just for her taking. Church, you need to grasp this today. She didn't tell Naomi she was headed to the fields to take some grain. No, church. She said, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Let me go and pick it up. See, you pick up that which was placed down, meaning the grain belonged to someone else. Do you see this, folks? We are only in the second uh, verse in chapter 2, and I want you to hear this. This is the bread of life. This is the, 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 the only book in the world where you can spend hours and days on one sentence and sometimes one word. And so I want you to understand, we're just in verse 2, and I've already preached an entire sermon. I've got more to say, don't worry. But but this is just verse 2. And so here we don't ever stop reading the Word of God. Don't ever stop studying the Word of God, because it is new every morning. Someone say amen. Amen. We are two verses into chapter 2, and already God is stirring something in someone's life today. Ruth went to the field to pick up what was given over by the hand of another. What does that mean? It it means she went in humility and with humility. You see, her humility led her to go after just her basic needs. Nothing more. She just needed her, her need met. Her humble heart wasn't going to let her get distracted with hunting for a want. Her humble heart kept her focused on her need. She needed food, and with great humility, she went to a field to pick up grain. But it was also her humility that led her to have a posture of picking up leftover grain. See, her humble heart wasn't looking for the best of the best. Her humble heart wasn't even looking to be served first. Her humble heart was fine with leftovers. Church, I'm telling you right now, the only time I really want leftovers is the day after Thanksgiving and the day after Christmas, right? Those are the only two days when I would prefer to eat leftovers, right? We we often have perfectly good leftovers in our refrigerator, but I had that yesterday or the day before. Why would I want leftovers when I can have something fresh? In the time it takes me to reheat the leftovers, I can have Chick-fil-A delivered. And so (laughs) Chick-fil-A wins every single time, Right? We don't like leftovers. We don't like second best. We want the best. We want to win. Needs, schmeeds, right? We want to win so badly in our culture that we have gotten rid of winning. In some kids' sports, they're no longer winners and losers, only participants. Right? If we can't win, nobody wins. So, yeah, we don't do leftovers. But Ruth was so humble, she went looking. For leftovers. See, we're living in a society which expects nothing but the best. We're living in a society which expects to be treated like kings and queens. We're living in one of the most narcissistic times in human history. We all think we are God's gift to the human race. That we are the best thing since sliced bread. And so it's nothing but the best for me. Church, the heart of the Christ follower cries out for nothing but the best Jesus has for him. Ruth went after having her needs met by going where the needs could be met, in a field, and by someone with whom she found favor. Ruth's humility was born out of the understanding she was dependent upon another to have her needs met. The person in whose eyes Ruth would find favor felt favor towards Ruth because of her humble heart. You see, it, it was a reciprocal relationship. In Old Testament language, we, we would call it it's a covenant. A covenant is an agreement between two parties, but it requires both parties to remain faithful to the agreement. And so Ruth saw with a humble heart. The person with the grain showed favor for Ruth. You see, when we seek with a humble heart, our Lord shows us favor. But too often, church, we are like the petulant child. Right? We want the best God has for us because we think we deserve the best God has for us. It doesn't matter what we've done or how we've lived our lives because we can always find someone who is worse than us. And so give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But as followers of Jesus, we are called to walk humbly. To live humbly. And when we do, We open the door to God's blessings in our lives. Church, God has things he wants to do in your life that you cannot even imagine. He has things he wants to give you that you cannot even imagine. The only way to receive it is to have a humble and fully surrendered heart. Ruth humbly went to pick up leftover grain. She had no idea what God wanted. Look in verse 3. So she went out, entered, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. So look at what that says. So she went out and entered a field. That's probably all she saw, right? A field. Maybe one a lot like all the other fields. At least in her sight, right? She needed food, and there was a field, and it had grain in it, right? That would work for her. But because Ruth is a woman of humility, I don't think it was just dumb luck that led her to walk into Boaz's field. No, 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 no. All Ruth knew was that she was walking into a field, but God knew that it was the field that he had prepared for Ruth and Naomi. Again, we cannot rush rush past this church. When we walk humbly and uh, and trusting Jesus... He leads us exactly where we are meant to be. Oh, it might look like any other old field to everyone else, but you know that this is the field the Lord has given you. This is the field the Lord is going to use to bless your life. Remember what I said about women in that time and culture. There was no future for them outside of marriage. Churches, is how awesome our God is. God was going to use her need for food in order to meet some other needs in her life. But in order order to understand that, we need to jump down to verses 19 and 20. So jump down to Ruth chapter 2, starting in verse 19. Her mother-in-law, Naomi, her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice on you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Church, I do not believe in coincidence. I believe in a God who faithfully blesses his faithful children. Ruth's humble heart led her to Boaz's field. Boaz was related to Elimelech, which made him a guardian redeemer for the family. I want you to understand what a guardian redeemer was. A guardian redeemer was a close, influential relative to whom members of the extended family could turn for help, usually when the family line or, or possessions were in danger of being lost. He was responsible for buying back family land sold during a crisis, buying back enslaved relatives, Providing an heir for a dead brother, avenging the killing of a relative, and caring for relatives in difficult circumstances. Church, do you struggle with believing we worship a loving and caring God? If so, this story is for you. See, Ruth was seeking some food, and God brought her and Naomi a redeemer. Ruth wasn't even looking for that, but God knew exactly what she needed. That's called living in the favor of God. Do you hear me, church? That is called living in the favor of God. He pours out on your life that which you need, even if you don't know you need it. Living in the favor of God means you are exactly where you are supposed to be. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You have exactly what the Lord has for you. You are His, and He is yours. It's what we might call just living in the pocket. Right, there are people. Maybe, maybe you know some. There are people who just seem to go from blessing to blessing. It seems that way, because it is that way. Now, that doesn't mean they don't stub their toe occasionally. It doesn't mean that life can't get tough for them occasionally. But regardless of the stubbed toes, regardless of the bumps in life, they are headed on to another blessing. That's their mindset. Life is a journey from one blessing to another blessing. So the question is, how can we live like that? How do they live like that? They live like that because they have a humble heart. Their humble heart finds them favor in the eyes of Jesus. And that favor opens doors they never thought possible. Verse 22 says, Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter in law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. Again, Boaz's property might have looked like any other property, but it was Boaz's property where Ruth was called to work. Anywhere, anywhere else, might be harmful. Church, hear me. It doesn't matter how great something looks. If it's not what God has for you, then you should not want it either. Moab was not the land to which Elimelech was called to live, and so moving to Moab was harmful to him and his family. Even though Moab was beautiful and and green, it wasn't what the Lord had for them. Naomi Naomi clearly learned a lesson through that, right? So she told Ruth to, to work for Boaz because anywhere else might be harmful. But yes, Naomi said might. Might, And maybe some of you caught that. And maybe, right now, you're hanging your hat on the word might. That word might also means might not, right? Naomi could have said, because in someone else's field, you might not be harmed, right? There's no guarantee that working in someone else's field would be harmful. She just said it might. And so if you're thinking that, I'm not going to argue with you. If you want to roll the dice on that, then go right ahead. However, if I know that this is what Jesus has for me, then it would be illogical to me to think anything else would be as good as what Jesus has for me. Are you tracking with me? I mean, nothing is going to be better than what Jesus has for me. But I don't even believe anything could be as good as what Jesus has for me. See, that's all I want in life. That's all I want for my life. That's all I want for my marriage. That's all I want for my family, for my ministry, and for my church. All I want in life is what Jesus has for me. All I want for us as a church is what Jesus has for us. That's it. And the only way that I can receive what he has for me is for me to walk humbly. The only way I can receive what he has for me is for me to walk with a fully surrendered heart. We've mentioned several times in the last two weeks how the meanings of names mattered a lot back then. So I wonder do you know what Boaz means? It actually has two meanings. Boaz means swiftness and strength is within him. Swiftness and strength is within him. Boaz was his family's guardian redeemer. His name means swiftness. And strength is within him. That means he not only had the power to redeem his family. It means he had the power to give Ruth and Naomi everything they needed. It also means he was swift to do so. Church, Boaz is the Christ figure in the story. You see, Jesus Christ is our redeemer. Jesus has the power to give you everything you need. And Jesus would love nothing more than to move swiftly in your life. But sometimes the reason you're complaining about Jesus moving so slowly in your life is because you're not living with a humble heart and you're not living with a surrendered heart. And that is throwing a roadblock on the road that Jesus wants to drive your blessings down. Church, this is a covenant. It is a relationship. You have a role to play, and Jesus has a role to play. Do you want to find favor in the eyes of your Savior? Do you want to live in the favor of God? Then lay down your pride once and for all. Lay down your need to win. Lay down your need to have the best of the best. Jesus has the desire and the ability to redeem you. He has the desire and the ability to restore you. He has the desire and the ability to bless you. He has the desire and the ability to install you in the position you were created to fill. Do you want to remain in Boaz's field church? Do you want to remain in the place the Lord has prepared for you? Do you want to experience the favor of God in your life? If so, then you must check your hearts. Are we humbly seeking the Lord? Or our own selfish desires? Are we trusting the Lord to lead us in His ways? Or are we trying to forge our own? Have we allowed pride to rule our lives? I began by reading Malachi 3.10. I want to close by reading something by another Old Testament prophet. It's from Micah chapter 6. It's verse 8. O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires. Someone say require. This is what he requires of you. To do what is right. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. See, this verse sums up the character of Ruth. How about you? Does that that verse define you today? That's the challenge before us this week. To do what is right. To love mercy and to walk humbly with God. I promise you this church. If we live that way, we get to experience our God Like never before, we begin living blessing to blessing, joy to joy. In a moment, we're going to sing one more song. And as we sing, we're going to pass out this little card. And on this card is just the verse that we just read, Micah uh, 6.8. And what I want you to do with this little card is I want you to pray this verse all week long, every day. Every day when you pray, I want you to hold this verse before you. And I want you to ask the Lord to speak to you through this verse. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to do what is right. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you love mercy. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you walk humbly with God. I want you to pray it every single day. Church, this must be the desire of our heart more than anything else. But as we pray this, as we seek it, we'll begin to see the hand of God work in our lives like never before. Church, he wants to bless you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to make a way for you. Even though you might not be able to see how he's going to make that way, he wants to make a way. He can do it. You have to fully surrender. Is that your desire? So I'm going to pray as we stand and sing, we'll pass out these cards. You'll sing, you'll leave, please don't throw these away. Take them home. Just give it a week. It's a week. It's a, one week out of your entire life. Pray over this. And just ask the Holy Spirit, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my part. I can't wait to see what you do. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I'm so very grateful that you know what we need before we do. I'm so very grateful how you have shown up in my life when I have been focused on, on meeting this need over here. And, and just thinking, that's that's it. i just got to meet that need. And yet, you're, you're 10, 20, 50 steps ahead of me. And, and, and by meeting that need, you're, you're also beginning to meet the needs that I don't even know I have yet. So, Lord, I thank you for your provision, your providence, and your grace, Lord. I thank you for those times in my life where, where I can say I have experienced the favor of the Lord. But, Lord, I, I, I admit today in front of this congregation, I admit that I'm not always in the pocket. I can look at people like Tommy and Heather Cho and and see the favor of the Lord in their life. And I I can get jealous of that in the most holy way possible. I can get jealous of that, Lord. I want that, Lord. And so I thank you for how you have used them to challenge me, Lord, to call me deeper. Lord, I believe that's, that's your desire for us. That we would just live in that pocket and we would go from joy to joy, blessing to blessing. You don't promise us an easy life. But you do promise us a blessed, filled life, a joyful life. And so, Lord, if you're leading us to Boaz's field, and we know that today, and we're looking around, and, Lord, it looks just like any other field. Let us be faithful. Let us walk humbly. Say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm not really sure what you're doing right now. I'm not really sure how you're going to make a way out of this wilderness right now. But I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to walk humbly. And I'm going to trust you. And Lord, I look forward to looking back on this day. and be able to see how you have shown me favor. So Lord, as we leave here today. I pray that we would just pray this verse every single day. We just read this verse every single day, and we would ask you, Holy Spirit, convict us. Show us in our own life how how we are not living up to this verse. Give us the strength to do it, Lord. Give us the strength to to walk humbly. And then give us eyes to see how you pour out favor on us this week and in the weeks to come. So Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. And we thank you for loving us. We pray this all in the name of Jesus.